You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Everybody, good evening. Welcome to Review and Preview. Tom Scavetta here with Kyle Russo. Hope everybody had a wonderful Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday season. The new year is approaching at the end of this week. Kyle, how are you tonight? I'm doing good, Tom. How are you doing, man? I'm doing excellent, other than another Giants loss, but we have bowl season coming up on us. The NFL playoffs are near, so it's exciting to watch a lot of the other teams in the NFL play well and get their names uh, tossed around in that playoff discussion. Folks, we have a stacked lineup in store for you tonight, but before we dive too deep into it, make sure to go follow us on all of our social media platforms like our Facebook page at Review and Preview Sports. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. Speaking of which, at 7.15 p.m., The Fog from the Objectively Biased Sports Talk account will be joining us to talk about his Philadelphia Eagles, who are now the seventh seed in the NFC playoff picture. Kyle Russo, the Giants lost to the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday by a final score of 34 to 10 to uh, split the season series with the Eagles and fall to 4 and 11 on the season. Before we kind of get into our Joe Judge debate here, just Walk me through the stages of this game. It was Jake Fromm, it was Mike Lennon, and it was an utter disaster down south on the turnpike. It was just terrible. It's another instance of the Giants' defense does all that they could, and the offense gives them zero support. It was the first time in Giants and Eagles matchup history that the score going into halftime was 3-3. I mean, that says it all. A team can't score. And again, I don't expect that much from Jake Fromm. I didn't. I didn't expect him to blow what Mike Glennon was doing out of the water. I just expected something. You know, Jake Fromm has been on the roster now for well over a month, it feels like. And it's been talked about that he's going to be getting more playing time for two, three weeks now. And yet it didn't look like he was prepared at all. In fact, going into the game, Tom, I'm watching this game and Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Vilma and Kenny Albert are talking. And they said that Joe Judge told them that the game plan was for Jake Fromm to just not turn the ball over. If they got to kick it away, they got to kick it away. And I'm watching on these third downs. They're not even attempting to give him the ball to throw to reach a third down. They're just handing it off to Barkley on a third and five, on a third and 12, on a third and whatever. They're not even trying. And that's why it's just so hard to watch this team. It makes it so difficult because I get it, whatever. You know, everybody knows my take on Daniel Jones is what it is. But all of your weapons are out there and you're not even like attempting to use them. How can that possibly be your game plan as a head coach in the NFL 
and you're telling me you expect to win a football game, especially, especially this is against a division rival in Philadelphia, which they never win, number one. And the same afternoon, two hours prior, that Adam Schefter reports that Joe Judge and Daniel Jones are jobs are basically safe. And you go out there and you get blown out the way you did? I mean, how can how, how am I supposed to root for this team? How am I supposed to have any confidence in this team when you're basically telling people that you don't even have confidence in this team? It makes no sense. It, it, it doesn't even bother me anymore because it's just so numb of a topic because, Tom, we know going to games, whether you want to pick it or not, whether you want to be optimistic or not, this team can't do anything on the offense. So if you can't score in this league, you're not going to win any football games. And that's why the Giants have been the way that they've been since the bye week and really throughout the season. Right. And it is a good point because neither quarterback played well. Barkley played terrible, not wanting to talk to the media after the game. But obviously we're going to have a little Joe Judge debate now. And I, I'm going to take the stance that the Giants – are doing the right thing by giving Joe judge one more year. And here's my method of thinking behind it. While yes, the coaching wasn't good in Sunday's game and, you know, people can say what they want about the game plan. I I do think the offensive approach is a little bit too conservative. I think continuity is very important for this giants football team. Matt rule has the same record as Joe judge since coming into the NFL, but nobody talks about him and about him losing his job. I also think that Joe Judge has done a really good job with his first two draft classes. We mentioned Thursday night on Big Blue Avenue how Dave Gettleman has let coaches have a say in certain draft picks, as where Pat Shermer found DeAndre Baker, Jason Garrett wanted Andrew Thomas. I think Joe Judge has had a good first two drafts and that this defense can be great. Like you said, Kyle, the defense kept us in these games. Now, my other reasons, again, I hate to use injuries as an excuse, but the Giants have been more injury riddled than anybody this year. I don't think any coach could devise a winning game plan for a quarterback like Jake Fromm or Mike Glennon. Um, I get it. The difference needs to be who is hired as the offensive coordinator next year. If Joe Judge hires a trash offensive coordinator next year, and the offense is still not league average or at worst top 20, then yes, I do think Joe Judge should be fired next year. But I think he's a leader among men. He wasn't the one who hired Jason Garrett. Apparently, he didn't have much of a say in that, which really shocks me because John Mara has been holding everybody's hand. He's the guy that I'm going to blame here. Uh, And we talked about Daniel Jones, how, you know, Oh, we're, we're not sold on Jones. We don't think he's the guy. But the offense at times has looked competent this year because of Daniel Jones winning in the Superdome, winning against the Carolina Panthers, beating the Raiders. The offense has looked very competent. They've kept this team in football games early on in the season when Jones was healthy and when they had a healthy Andrew Thomas, it looked really good. And in my personal opinion, Kyle, I think Joe Judge has been a great manager of the draft. I just think these draft picks, they need to find a way to stay healthy, and it needs to translate into wins on the football field. I think offensively, Joe Judge needs to have much less of a say and focus on coaching the entire team. Other than that, I think he's an okay head coach with potential. 
he needs to fix a few of his philosophies offensively. Because, yeah, you're right. I'm tired of the conservative approach, and I'm tired of losing football games. And something does need to be said about that. For me, though, I would give him one more year. I just don't know what another year does. Because I feel like you already know what he is and what he's capable of doing. Because, Tom, you're saying that nobody's been more hurt than the Giants. While that's, while that's not true... Other teams have been more hurt, and they've managed to win more games, number one. Number two, even when the Giants are healthy, they still suck. They have no idea what they're doing. You look at game one of the season, Tom. Look at just look at game one. I get it. You can say anything you want. They played the Denver Broncos, and that should have been a winnable game. They lost that game 27-13, to 13, but in reality, they lost that game 27-7. to 7 Because what happened? Garbage time football, Giants get another touchdown. That's how they opened up the season. Six times this season, they've scored in single digits against the Rams, where they finished 11-38, and but it was really 3-38, garbage time football. The Chargers, 21-37, really 7-37. Philadelphia this past weekend, 10-34, really 3-34. Miami, 9-20, and Dallas, 6-21. These last six games, they have scored a total of 69 total points. Without those garbage time points, they've scored 48 points combined compared to 149 points that they've been outscored by. In those other games that I talked about against Denver, the Rams, Chargers, and Philly, where you take out the garbage time points, they've been outscored 20 to 136 points. It has, it, again, I have, I, I've liked Joe Judge originally, but he's never put together a solid game plan. I don't care that you're missing Daniel Jones. I don't care that you're missing Kenny Galladay. Because, Tom, and maybe you'll test to this as well, Again, even if you're missing Kadarius Tony, you're missing Saquon Barkley, you're missing Sterling Shepard, even when they have those guys on the field, they can't seem to use them or figure them out. So that's not an excuse. Again, you talked about you talked about the Carolina Panthers. Nobody's talking about Matt Rule. Well, first off, what we've seen from Matt Rule is one thing. They've been openly admitted as an organization that they don't have a quarterback. Even after they traded for Sam Darnold, who were they looking to acquire at the trade deadline? Deshaun Watson because they were still not confident in the quarterback. And what were they forced into doing? Bringing in Cam Newton because they needed a quarterback who has not won a game for them since. But we know, and you talk about injuries, Christian McCaffrey has missed basically the entirety of the season and missed the entirety of last season. We know that when Christian McCaffrey's healthy, he's undoubtedly the most versatile and explosive weapon in all of football and could single-handedly win you games. The difference is with the Giants is that even when their weapons are healthy, And on the field, they don't do anything. They don't do anything. Saquon Barkley is on the field, 15 rush attempts for 32 yards. What is that? How how is that a game plan? Especially, and this is why I blame Joe Judge, you're telling me that you don't want to trust your quarterback to throw the football. So you know you're going to have to be heavily dependent upon the run. How are you not game planning for better run plays? How does that not happen? How does that not happen? And every single game this season – Every single game in which I watch, in which I'm infuriated with Joe Judge and even more so wanting to fire uh, him and move on, move on from Daniel Jones, is because, again, if you're showing competitiveness, if you're showing glimpses of something, you have an argument to be made to say, okay, we could bring this guy back. They have not looked competitive at all. For basically a majority of the season, maybe an exception of a couple games, you talked about the Carolina and the Raiders game. Other games as well, they've won four games this season. Three of them have come strictly defensively. Carolina and the Raiders game especially. The Raiders game, one of their touchdowns, which ultimately won them the game, was a pick six by Xavier McKinney. He also had a 
uh, two interceptions in that game, one return for a touchdown, and the defense had around five sacks. In the Carolina game, they had six and a half sacks and an interception and forced Sam Darnold out of the game. That's why they won. has nothing to do with the offense. In fact, Daniel Jones in that Raiders game threw for 100 yards. They won the game because of the defense. And I've said on this show, Patrick Graham should be back. Because even though they have no pass rush, he's gotten the best out of that defense. And we've seen glimpses of brightness out of the defense. Not one time, maybe with the exception of the last eight minutes against the Saints game, have we seen competency in the offense. And I have to blame Joe Judge for that. I have to. Because I don't care that you're not an offensive guy. You are the coach. You are the coach. And every single week, we're talking about the game plan. You're talking about the game plan. You're talking about adjusting. Have you seen anything that screams adjusting in this Giants team whatsoever? It seems, honestly, it seems like they've adjusted to the idea of losing. That's what it seems like, honestly. And and I don't see it getting better with a third year of Joe Judge. I just don't. And the other thing, and and Tom, I know you want to bring up this uh, comment, and then maybe I'll finish the argument. Or do you want me to keep on going? Keep going. I have one rebuttal after that, and then we'll, we'll the get thing with The other thing with Joe Judge, too, is this. is In reports that I'm reading, it seems like the Maras don't even want to bring him back. They don't, it seems like they don't want to bring him back in the words in which they're using. But they're on the bandwagon of, oh, well, we can't fire another guy after two years. So if you're showing me that you ultimately have no confidence in him, and, and to be honest with you, with the words that they're using – they're basically saying to me that they're going to see how the rest of the season pans out and then they'll make the decision. Mm-hmm. Because, again, say what anybody wants, the way that Joe Judge has coached since the bye week, because they've been atrocious since the bye week, they, the way they've competed, that goes on the head coach because they have not looked competitive in one single game. That's on the head coach. So you could talk about you know, a leader amongst men and, and people want to play for him. You could want to play for him all you want. So what you're telling me is that the players on the field suck then if they want to play for him because those putting up single-digit losses, being blown out by 30-something points almost week in and week out, tell me that you want to play for that guy? Or does it tell me that, hey, maybe you stand behind this guy and what he's saying, but his game plan doesn't allow you to execute your talent on the field? And I think more likely than not, it's the fact that his game plan doesn't allow you to execute your talent on the field because the Giants have the talent there. Everybody says it. The Giants have the talent there. I don't think that's a debate. They just have zero idea with what to do with it. You're right in a lot of your arguments. I just want to make one thing clear. When I meant riddled by injuries, I meant at key positions, right? Daniel Jones has not been able to stay on the field. Saquon Barkley missed a whole chunk of of time. So did Andrew Thomas, Kenny Galladay, Blake Martinez, and Jabril Peppers are on season in IR. I personally think Joe Judge deserves the opportunity for a third year because while we fault him for the offense, we're giving Patrick Graham all the credit for the defense. Joe Judge is also playing a part in that as well because he did hire Patrick Graham. He did have a say in hiring Patrick Graham. So I think that's me just playing devil's advocate, but I see what you're saying. You have a lot of valid points to your argument. Uh, Again, in my argument, I just want to wait and see what year three holds for Joe Judge and the New York Giants. And it's interesting now with the general manager rumors coming out, which we'll get to at a later time, but apparently John Dorsey and Alonzo Highsmith might be lined up uh, for the Giants at the general manager position. And uh, before we bring up the fog, a couple comments here. Nelly says, hello. Thank you very much for sharing the podcast, Nelly. 
Appreciate it. Dennis Kinney says the Giants have lost their identity. You are correct. Yeah. Um, picking Saquon at number two started their downfall, potentially. The downfall uh, started at Dave Gettleman. That's where it started. John Madden has passed away. Um, yeah, I saw the crazy. John Madden was my favorite announcer growing up. My parents used to call me John Madden Jr. I love John Madden so much. Uh, he was 85 years old. That's a shame that John Madden has passed away. We'll do a little uh, segment on him at the end of the show uh, while I get a few minutes to process that. But at this time, we're going to bring up our guest. I've spoken with him once before, and I'm really excited to bring him on. Uh, how about those Philadelphia Eagles? The Fog joins Review and Preview. Welcome, Steve. How's it going? Thank you so much for joining us. What's happening? Thank you guys for having me, man. Merry Christmas to you guys, and uh, have a happy new year. I know as, as Giants fans, it looks like it's going to be a rough one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'll t- I, I t- I tell you what. Uh, to your point, Kyle, uh, I don't think it's game planning. Uh, Saquon Barkley, when you look at the history of Saquon Barkley and him running, he's always been boomer bust. And if your offense isn't flowing in a boomer bust way uh, with him getting him outside off tackle, um, getting him in open space, then you're not going to have much of a running game or get much offense from him. And I think that combined with the game planning has been the biggest problem with the Giants and getting Saquon going compounded that with injury you don't see the same explosiveness that you saw in uh, Saquon when he first came out yeah no I agree with that I do agree with that but like you just alluded to you know you know his strengths he could be he could be in the past game in fact the best game the Giants have had this season was the Saints and how did they get back in that game because he beat Marshawn Lattimore one of the best corners in football off the line of scrimmage for a 50-yard touchdown they just don't do that they don't do that for whatever the reason is very true. But uh, The Fog, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and where people can find your work and what you do? Oh, you can find me on Objectively Biased Sports. I do sports blogging and sports writing. I blog for Chop Sports. Uh, I've also been featured on, uh, obviously, this show, Review and Preview. I've also been featured on a, um, Three Man Weave and Outside the Box Sports. I have my own podcast. If you check out uh, Objectively Biased Sports Podcast, and uh, I'm an avid Eagles fan, and I tell you, even though this season is surprising, it's disappointing for me. (laughs) Yeah, uh, you got allude uh, before we start, Tom. (laughs) Allude to that. Allude because going into this season, as as go go ahead, Tom. Go ahead. Go ahead. Here's why I want to allude to that. Uh, the fog and I were on three man weave months ago and we yes. were all making record predictions for our team and you predicted five and 12 for the mm-hmm. Eagles. And it looks like the giants are having the season. We thought the Eagles would have, and the Eagles are having the season. We thought the giants would have. I think that's why maybe you're a little disappointed. Am I hitting it head on there or is there anything uh, else to it? I'm a little disappointed because it took, I see. I've seen. I'm seeing promising things for from this team, but I'm also there's still concerns left, and a lot of it still hangs around the the head coach and Nick Sirianni. At the end of the day, I'm not sold on him as the head coach to lead this team. Now, 
Steve, something that you've alluded to, you're not sold on this team. And one of the biggest question marks, in fact, on the show, Tom will attest to this as well. Not a big Jalen Hurts guy. What's your stance on Jalen Hurts? Uh, he he can be a game manager. I've I've said this before. I said this at the beginning of the season with the Eagles. Jalen Hurts is behind the curve where guys like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen were coming into the league. They were talented players learning how to play the quarterback position, but they were further ahead in their development at playing the position than Jalen Hurts was. So, you know, that was a huge knock. This is a guy that needs proper coaching up and development at the quarterback position. I think he can manage the team, but you've got to continue to build him. I've seen some promise with him over the course of the season and his development and growth and his uh, being able to pick up uh, pre-snap reads and and his post-snap reads, but he's still going to be inconsistent. I said at the beginning of the year uh, on three-man weave, you're going to get really good Jalen Hurts, and then you're going to get Jalen Hurts. We're going to go, yeah. We should have never drafted this guy. It's going to happen. It's a part of that growing process. So I think he can be a good starting quarterback in the league. I think he can be a good starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, but they're going to have to put the proper pieces around him. I agree with that. I think he's played particularly well for the most part over the course of these past three games as far as managing the game and helping his team win. You're on a three-game winning streak. What's been the key to that uh, string of wins? Obviously, the three wins come against the Jets, the Giants, and Washington, not three great teams this year. But what has been the key to stringing together wins? Because you're playing what's in front of you, and you're coming out victorious. Well, it helps that the Eagles haven't played uh, or haven't beaten a team, I should say, that has a winning record out of their eight wins. <laughs> so that that's a big plus. And <laughs> the easy schedule bodes well, but this is, again, this is the double-edged sword. It's an easy schedule this year. You're going to get a much more difficult schedule next year, and I don't think the record is indicative of what this team actually is. Is this team a playoff team? Absolutely not. The keys to them having success right now – have been keeping Jalen Hurts uh, from having to throw the ball 35, 40-plus times a game. It's been running the ball. If you look at their last eight games, they're 6-2 and two in those games. They've rushed the ball with their running backs, not Jalen Hurts, with their running backs 20-plus times every single one of those games. The lowest amount of touches that their running backs had were, uh, I think, against – the Chargers or the Raiders, I think they had 25 uh, rushes there, um, but that was it. Prior to that, this team was running the ball with their running backs an average of 13 times a game. They also went two and five in those first seven games. And let's face it, the Carolina Panthers victory that they got. That was defense. That wasn't the offense. You get three turnovers and you barely win that game. It's because your defense won that game. It wasn't the offense that did it. So it's the fact that they are running the ball with their running backs and setting Jalen Hurts up for success in the passing game, why they're having that success. Well, now, Steve, let me ask you about this. The running back by committee type of system that they're running, it surprised me significantly because I thought, you know, coming out of Penn State, Miles Sanders looked like a a great up-and-coming running back. In the beginning of the season, you alluded to it. They weren't even using him. And now they have mm-hmm. a combination between Sanders, Boston Scott, Jordan Howard now, who like completely fell out of football just last year. Is that more so Nick Sirianni and his game planning, not trusting Miles Sanders? Is that just not using the weapons around you? Or is Miles Sanders just not as great as people may have thought? 
I think it's part. I, I think it's part of the game plan, and not so much Sirianni, but I know he sits down with uh, Charlie Stricken and goes over the offense. And Stricken had this situation with the Chargers last year with Austin Eckler, and when Eckler went down, he did run a running back by committee. They do like Boston Scott for whatever reason, and he he works well w- within. You know, hey, give me seven or eight touches a game. I'll give you the max that I can. I think the worst Giants kill it, Boston (laughs) Scott. I think the worst thing is for Miles Sanders, unfortunately, is he is just injury prone. The guy cannot stay healthy. And that's why they're being forced to do this running back by committee because he can't stay healthy. Yeah. Deter ourselves from the Eagles. But we do have a comment from Dennis Giants pick possibly fifth and eighth. Thanks to the thanks to the Eagles loss, boosting our pickup. What should they do? Uh, I'd like to get Neil and Linderbaum and call it a day, but that's in a perfect world. I could also make an argument for guys like George Karloftis if he's there. I think Hutchinson and Thibodeau are well out of our range at this point. Kyle, anything quickly you wanted to add on to that? I would love, I would love Evan Neal. I, yeah. I also feel like the Giants a must because Tom, I know you brought up two offensive linemen, which are huge to the Giants' success. But they yeah. need, if if this season has shown anything, is that they need another pass rusher. When Leonard Williams was effective, it was when Dalvin Tomlinson was in the middle and could also break the interior and sack the quarterback. They don't have that this season, so they need yeah. another pass rusher. They need a defensive tackle as well early in next year's draft. Rest in peace to the legend, John Madden. Thanks, Noah. Shout out, Noah, on the sports box. Steve, any thoughts on John Madden? I know, obviously, this literally just broke as you were backstage. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean, personally, I love this guy growing up. It's really sad that he passed away. Listen, listening to him on Fox with uh, Pat Summerall, uh, you know, the Madden games. It, I mean, this guy has been a part of football culture. You talk football. Yeah. Everyone talks about, you can't tell the story of football without this person, without that person. You legitimately can't tell the story of football and football marketing without John Madden. Yeah. He is, I mean, he is the reason that EA sports, uh, you know, Madden football, all, all, all of this is because of him and because of his voice, his commentary, the things that he would say that, you know, that just catch you off guard completely on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) It was, I mean, he, he embodied, he embodied the NFL uh, and the joyous part of the NFL. And it's a shame that uh, we're losing somebody like that. Yeah. Lived a long life though. Uh, We'll definitely celebrate his legacy. Uh, But yeah, Steve, back to the Eagles. I want to talk to you about this because Devontae Smith, he didn't have a good game his first time out against the Giants. But on Sunday, he did a really nice job, scored that one touchdown, uh, doing an awesome job keeping both feet in bounds. Your thoughts on his rookie season so far? Um, Right on par with where I thought it was going to be. I didn't think he was this great wide receiver coming out. Um, A lot of it had to do with size. A lot of it had to do with his lack of explosiveness. I know he's a fast guy, but I always said he always looked like he was running at one speed. Now, one speed is extremely fast, but he was never explosive getting out of his cuts. He didn't have the body to be an outside receiver full time. And if you play man press on him, you're going to get him. But if you give him zone, 
You put him in passing situations and you look what he's done on second and longs and, and third down situations between that third and four and third and seven mark. The guy's been the hot target. He's been the guy because he's given an opportunity to read the defense, dissect it and get open. He knows how to get open. This young man is extremely cerebral. And again, he's very talented. He has runs very good routes. We need an outside receiver to support him. We need a true number one. Our 50-50 guy can't be the tight end running the seam route. We need somebody on the outside to help him. Let's see that you actually just jumped right into my next question because you talked about the development of Jalen Hurts and obviously the development of a quarterback, obviously, you know, through some growing pains of his own. But the biggest thing going into this season was that Howie Rose needs to go because he can't support his quarterbacks with any weapons around him. And really outside of when you look at this roster, outside of Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard, you got some guys like Jalen Rager who has he's just not looked good. Quez Watkins has had some bright spots. Arcega Whiteside is, yeah, another. But my point being is that what do you, you're looking for an outside receiver. I don't really think that there's any of those guys in this draft class this year that can really support that system and the Eagles flourishing. So is it going to have to be more so of just learning, going through with the pains and, and punches of just growing with these weapons that they already have? Uh, even a guy like Greg Ward, who was huge last season, they don't even use him anymore. Unfortunately, yeah, that's what that's what it's going to be like, because like you said, you don't really have any great wide receivers. Number one guys that jump out and pop at you uh, right now. I don't know. I haven't had an ch- opportunity to look at free agency, what could potentially be out there for them to grab. But, yeah, unfortunately, they're going to have to create a game plan similar to what they've di- done this year. In order to, you know, again, just moving Devonta Smith all over the field, he's going to have to be uh, moved in the slot, moved in, in uh, the at the outside position. Uh, hopefully, you're you're going off of zone reads and not putting him in man man situations where he's going to get jammed up, especially in in red zone uh, areas where you've got him on a short field and some, you know, Jalen Ramsey can man him up and he's not going anywhere. You're not going to get the ball to him. Uh, so they're going to have to really continue. They're going to have to get creative with the game plan the next year. If they can't find somebody or somebody just doesn't come out of the woodworks and, Hey, we all of a sudden have a outside wide receiver. They're going to have to get creative with the game plan. And unfortunately they're probably going to have to do it without miles Sanders because you can't keep, you know, this is, this is the definition of insanity. You know, you can't keep running into the brick wall and expecting the same result. You've got to get creative. You got to go outside the box. And Miles Sanders is not going to be the running back uh, for the Eagles in the future because he can't stay healthy. Yeah. Wow. I <laughs> might have to clip that one off. I really like that comment because I'm also in a similar mindset right now with Saquon Barkley. I don't mm-hmm. know. If he should be here long term, I think it would be silly to get him the bag. But um, you bring up a lot of good points, and uh, we do have a couple comments for you here. This first one from Dennis: uh, the defense, as defenses have evolved and gotten so quick, the wide receiver position has also evolved. So many blown coverage touchdowns, and some of these routes are just sick. Cooper Cup is making great players look ridiculous. You talked about Devontae Smith and his route running, and I'll unpin that there, but. I mean, how crazy is that? Like this, this game is just evolving where you have to be super fast now. And Smith, I think 
he's pretty good with his speed, but mm-hmm. his route running is really what separated him from the pack at Alabama. Yeah, it has. And, and again, he'll continue to grow um, as the quarterback and as the game planning continues to grow as well. It's going gonna, it's gonna to yeah. help them, but he's going to garner number one coverage. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be teams that he's just it's it's just not going to work, and you're going to have to go somewhere else. You're going to have to go to Jalen Rager. Yeah. You're going to have to go to Quez Watkins. Uh, and are you going to be able to rely on them with a quarterback, again, who is learning to play the quarterback position and is growing in that position? They, they, think how yeah. crazy that is. He's learning to play the position at the highest point in football. Yeah, yeah. Steve, we, we talked a lot about uh, we talked a lot about the offense and what the Eagles have had to offer this season, but somewhat of a surprise, I would say, at least in my personal opinion, of the defense and what they've been able to accomplish this year. Uh, a guy in Javon Hargrave having seven and a half sacks this year. Talk about it. How impressive this defensive front has been this year, in your personal opinion? I'm not surprised at the defensive front. They were really good last year. The problem was they were the only thing going for the Eagles last year. When you think about. Uh, it wasn't Hargrave, but it was uh, Sweat. Josh, um, yeah, 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 Josh Sweat, Graham, and Fletcher Cox. They accounted for almost 45% of the Eagles' tackles for losses and sacks. That's ridiculous. Hargrave has stepped up and, and grown into that position, and they've got the secondary coming back and, and looking better. So the overall defensively, I'm not shocked at how this uh, front, uh, the front seven is performed. I think they could get better at linebacker. Uh, you got to start looking for Fletcher Cox replacement uh, because he's with well, this guy's in year 10 already. But I wasn't shocked at how they've played defensively. I'm actually shocked how it's all come together as quickly as it did this season with the secondary, considering that Slay and Maddox, and Maddox was playing out of position last year, yeah. playing on the outside, uh, how they. You know, Slay coming back and then Maddox, you know, obviously integrating in that slot position, that nickel and uh, nickel and dime uh, position, how these guys have actually come in and worked together and how the defense has been coached. Quite honestly, again, this is an entirely new coaching staff. The caveat to that is we've got a year under our belts. Teams have seen how you played. They can game plan next season. And if you don't put some wrinkles in that game plan, you're going to get got. And again, the schedule isn't going to be anywhere near as easy it was this season. Especially if you're playing a second-place schedule next year, which is what it's looking like right now. You'll probably draw teams like the Vikings and the Cardinals rather than the Bears or the Lions. He's like, a few more comments here. Oh, this one's funny. Eagles fans, it can't get worse than Nelson Aguilar, Jalen Rager, hold my beer. What do you think about that? Have you been to the link recently at all? I was there last year. I haven't been there this year, uh, unfortunately. Um, people hated Aguilar, and I'm not gonna lie, yeah. I was one of them. But then Rager, when I, I'll <laughs> never forget when Rager was drafted. Yeah, I forget. Hold my beer. I almost threw mine <laughs> because again, I, I I I'm an avid follower of college football, and yeah. I didn't even have him as one of my top ten wide receivers coming out in the draft. So when he was drafted, I was like, wait, we're passing on Justin Jefferson. We're passing on Denzel Mims. We're not looking at DK Metcalf. What in the fuck are you guys doing? 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm all for fire Howie Roseman. I'm all for it. I, <laughs> I love, was going to say the, Howie. I'm, at that point, in, at that point in time, when I saw the Eagles uh, pass up on Justin Jefferson, I had a little celebratory moment. But now, obviously, after two yeah. seasons with the Vikings, you got to say to yourself, "My goodness, look what we passed up on." Yeah, I don't know who was on. I, I and I don't know if he was actually going off of what the scouting team was because I, I remember vividly when they were in that uh, office in their, in their war room and they drafted Rager. Ro- Roseman was looking for high fives, and half of the scouts were like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, I, you're not putting my name on this. <laughs> exactly. Um but I do think the team is getting there offensively. Defensively is where I think your strength lies for the most mm-hmm. part. And two players I want to mention that two linebackers I wish the Giants had on there there and Alex Singleton and TJ Edwards, both well over a hundred tackles. What ingredients do each of those players bring to this Eagles defense? Honestly, they they coexist perfectly with the way that defensive front uh, attacks. The way they attack, these guys are able to shoot the gaps. They're able to move laterally, sideline to sideline. They have a very good quickness, very good agility, and they're reading the football field. I didn't expect anything. I thought this was a JV linebacking core coming out this year, so I'm utterly shocked and pleased at the same time at the way these guys are playing. They really read the field. And, again, it's buy-in. They buy into the defense. They buy into the game plan. And it doesn't matter what happens. They're also guys who, hey, if I miss a tackle, all right, they forget about it, and it's back to the next play. There is no, there is nothing but dog and fight in this defense. And Steve, something that I wanted to ask before we get to the Eagles' remaining schedule, because obviously they are an NFC East team that is still in the playoff hunt. Something that a lot of people talked about last year that they're you know kind of neglected to remind themselves when they talked about this Eagles' offensive line last year, they had like fourteen offensive line changes mm-hmm. through sixteen games. This year, as far as I'm concerned, I could be completely wrong. I believe they've been relatively healthy, and that's been another yes. key to their success this year. Yes, and it's something that's not going to be, uh, again, injuries is always a part of the game. Uh, they had an excessive amount last year, not that many this year. But, again, you've also – this is another part of the, the the team that they've got to start preparing for. You know, you're not going to have Lane Johnson forever either. No. Uh, so it, it all starts for the Eagles with, within the trenches, and they got to keep that mojo going, keep drafting well within the trenches Uh this year uh, in the draft coming, there are good players coming out in the draft on offensive and defensive line, and they're going to need that to to keep keep that strength going forward. Because again, Miles Sanders, if he was healthy, I'd say okay, we got a running back to run behind a solid offensive line. But we don't. This is an offensive line. Yeah, you, Kyle, you said it. This is a top ten offensive line this year. This is the number one rushing attack team in football. They got the number one running attack. Like, yeah. that is unreal. And yeah. the fact that they've done it over the last eight games with utilizing their running backs as opposed to utilizing Jalen Hurts as the running that game, that has been crucial for them. But going forward, they're going to have to continue to build on the depth on that offensive line to keep this going. All great points. We have a ton of comments before we get to the Eagles' remaining schedule. Really appreciate all the support. Make sure to share this podcast with your friends. Tell another friend. Uh, Saquon is no trade value. Yeah. A lot of John Madden comments. Yeah. James and Hank both uh, saying rest in peace to John Madden. How's it going, Hank? Appreciate you dropping in here. Uh, 
Big Blue, Blue City Empire Sports. I'm not a Jalen Hurts fan, and I'm also not a Jalen Hurts hater. The only problem I had with him is he is not throwing and passing the ball a lot. Running the ball is not going to help win Super Bowls. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's pretty much uh, known that Hurts is going to have to become more comfortable winning games. Uh, Steve, you mentioned how the Eagles like to lean on their running game, but Hurts, you know, there's some games he's going to have to throw the ball 30 times yep. a game, right? So, Unfortunately, yeah, and it's, it's, it's kind of the situation where it's going to be hit or miss. Like I said, the, if this team makes the playoffs, you're not playing – pansies anymore you're not playing it's playoff football is a completely different type of football and it's it's going to suck because Jalen Hurts if they make the playoffs is going to wind up making a bad play or two and that beautiful Eagles faithful is gonna (laughs) is gonna hold him to the fire like yep he's gotta go and it's like no you actually have to understand and know what you have and why it's gonna go that way Speaking of the Eagles faithful, your fellow Eagles fans saying horrible pickup on Rager that was, but uh, yeah. hey, Vikings still finding ways to stay out of the playoffs. <laughs> True. Their schedule is much tougher. I will say that. Um, Giant fans have to be sick of seeing Flowers succeed in Washington. They moved him into guard. Why couldn't the Giants figure that out? The same reason why we haven't figured out really anybody, Dennis. <laughs> the same reason. This is a great question. I'd like to know the answer, too. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say about that. Hill in the comments section. What up, y'all? What's up, Hill? Good friend of ours from the Three Man Weave. Make sure to go check them out at the Three Man Weave podcast on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. They're on Instagram as well at Three Man Weave. Daniel Bakley, big Landon Dickerson fan. Some toughness to the line. Potentially taking over for Kelsey at center who is the ageless wonder. (laughs) Interesting. I like that comment. Question for all. Who do you think goes number one overall? Don't think there's a clear number one, like in the past years. I think it's got to be Hutchinson, right? It's got to be. I think at the beginning of the year was Kayvon Thibodeau and nobody else, but Hutchinson, the way he played at Michigan, and then obviously anything that he does in the playoff now is just going to add to his value. So I think it's I think it's a clear favorite of Hutchinson, really, to be honest with you. Yeah, I I agree with that. Hutchinson going number one. Yeah, I don't I don't I mean I I could still see, uh, uh, what's his name Thibodeau, uh still Thibodeau. going. Yeah, I could still see him going again. It's not like he got yeah he got hurt, but I mean Jesus, he was still <laughs> <laughs> he was he was a one man wrecking crew. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, it was. So. I could still see him going number one, um, but yeah, it's, it's it'd be either him or Hutchinson. I, I don't see, I don't think there's anyone else that could uh, possibly pop up number one. Will Anderson is no slouch. Yeah, he's a great linebacker. I like him a lot. Uh, definitely a top fifteen guy. Definitely, yeah. uh, I think Anderson could definitely be a top fifteen guy. Could also rush the passer as well. Uh, but yeah, so Steve, we're looking at the Eagles' remaining schedule. Washington, Dallas, do they win out? Do you think the Eagles get in? Because right now the schedule is looking somewhat favorable, especially if Dallas sits their starters in week 18, which is left to be seen. Um, Unfortunately, I think the Eagles are going to make the playoffs. <laughs> unfortunately. Okay. 
unfortunately, I think again because those 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 first round picks go higher and higher. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're more true. toward a back end right now, so it's like it's I, I'm true. not a fan of that. We're dropping back with the picks, but it, again, this is fool's gold. This is um, how can I play this one out? Uh, remember it's kind of like, kinda like the when Jets. the Giants in 2016 went 11 and nah. five. And it, the Jets, when the Jets turn around and uh, they almost made the playoffs, and they had, uh, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick was oh, the yeah. quarterback. Three and, three interceptions in the fourth quarter. To, to yes, bust and out. everybody was like, "This team is going to be great." This team, and I'm like, "No, they're not. No, this team is not going to be <laughs> above 500 next year." And I had Jet fans trying to crucify me, like, "No, you're crazy. You're a Jets hater. How can be a Jets hater? I'm an Eagles fan. That <laughs> can't hate the Jets." And I said, "The reason, reason being, is that they're going all in, and they don't have a good quarterback. They had a soft schedule." They brought in a, a, a already aged and in the twilight of his career, Matt Forte, right? They had Eric Decker, who was only uh, relevant because of Peyton Manning. <laughs> I mean, when you look at that, when you look at that team, it's again, it's not uh, constituted the same way Philadelphia's is, but Philadelphia has a great young core of players who are learning to put it together with a young coaching staff, brand new coaching staff, completely learning to put put it together, had a very easy schedule. This was like a very long preseason for them, the way you've seen them try to figure it out from the start of the season to the halfway point to now where they are right now. Yes, they're playing Washington, who looks like they gave up on football after that debacle against Dallas. Then they beat them. Dallas, realistically, depending on positioning, where they're going to be seated, you're right. Tom, they may not. They may have sit their starters after the first half. The Eagles can actually win these two games, get in, and then get bodied in round one of the playoffs. <laughs> I love that analysis. Very, very <laughs> in depth. And it's they could clinch this week, this upcoming week, if Minnesota mm-hmm. loses, and if the Saints lose and the Eagles win. That's it. That's it. Uh, I don't know what San Francisco's situation is. I don't know if you could potentially leap them. I still think that's possible, right? Because, Kyle, don't they have the same record? Yeah, because they just lost to the Titans, right, on Monday or uh, Thursday, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, 49ers got the Texans this week, so uh, I'm sure. Although the Texans have surprised a lot of people this year, I think David Culley's done a good job with that team, uh, beating the Chargers, who are all of a sudden imploding. Yeah, uh, that's that's an understatement. (laughs) And Miami currently holds the seventh seed in the AFC. Well, I mean, what a job they've done. But um, Vikings play the Packers. Daniel's right. Yeah, I mean, look, I think Philly's getting in. And I hate, I hate to say that. I made a guarantee at the beginning of the season the Vikings are making the playoffs. Just watch. And they go in and they beat Green Bay. They almost beat the Rams, but they lost to Detroit. They don't know how to finish football games, right? That's why they're not going to make the playoffs. If they knew how to finish, they'd be in. Because talent-wise, I think they're a playoff team. I really do. Their defense has improved. Their receivers are solid. They're top three. And then you have Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, who could start on maybe 10 to 12 rosters in this league. They're a good football team. And Justin Jefferson makes Kirk Cousins look like a top 10 quarterback. Jefferson is probably already a top five wideout in this league. So it's crazy. 
least crazy. that's how that's how I. It think makes about you question. It. it makes you question Zimmer and what's going on over there because it's yeah. again, it's not like you don't have the talent, and it's not like you haven't been in the position to close it out. How come you haven't closed it out? Yeah. I would say, uh, Tom, you, you said that the, the defense is taking a step forward. I mean, really outside of getting to the quarterback, because I believe they lead the league in sacks. I mean, their secondary has been pretty bad. It's been pretty bad this year. They've blown some big coverages this year in terms of some big opponents. I know even when we look at, because you talked about blowing games, not looking to close out. Sunday, and Tom, we talked about it before the show even started, against the Rams. You picked off Matthew Stafford three times with inside the Rams' 20-yard line, and you just could not capitalize each time you were there. I mean, that's all to do with, you know, how the, the yeah. game plan is planned. And Zimmer is another guy. He's been, he's been the coach of this Vikings team for a very, very long time now. And even though he's had some winning seasons, it's got to start to come into question where you got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, this roster is way too talented to be in week what? Week 16 now, and they don't have a, they don't have a solidified playoff spot, or they may not even get in because, again, they beat the Green Bay Packers early this year. I don't think Aaron Rodgers lets that happen twice in one season, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. I like Minnesota. I'm, I'm the closet Vikings guy, as that Frank Tarkenton <laughs> Giants connection, you know. Dalvin Cook can't stay healthy. That's another good point. Minnesota has lost their defensive identity. Another good point, and all leading to the Eagles probably making the playoffs with the Vikings shooting themselves in the foot. The Eagles have seized the opportunity, and they'll – Steve, I got to ask you, what do you make of the Eagles' future? Because – you're predicting the Eagles to get bodied in the first round, <laughs> whether it's Dallas, L.A., or Tampa Bay. But what holds for this team's future? Because obviously you're a little down on this because next year you know they're going to have to play a second-place schedule and their draft pick won't be as high. It kind of puts you in a similar situation that you were the draft that you did take, Rager, where they're lurking around that 20 to 22 range where – the talent may not be as good. Uh, well, unfortunately, I think the uh, the only guy that they could get, and I hate saying this because it's another Alabama wide receiver, but Jamison Williams is probably a, a receiver that will be available for them. That might be the best value pick that they're going to have um, to get a wide receiver, at least a top-tier wide receiver that could hopefully be be a good outside help. For the team, but outside of that, again, their futures, it's not its not going to be a bright future uh, going into next year. They're going to have to make sure they're just retooling that offensive line, getting the depth in the trenches, both on the offensive line and on the defensive line. And hope, like I said, they find a wide receiver that's able to complement what Jalen Hurts does well and also complement the rest of the receivers, primarily Devonta Smith, on this team in order for them to have a, a more fluid and uh, flow of offense. And again, the running game is going to have to be key. You're, you're not going to be able to rely, continue to rely on Boston Scott or uh, Jordan Howard to come out of left field uh, to do something for you. It's, there's a reason why they drafted Kenneth Gainwell. And I would have liked to see him used a little more uh, this year as opposed to them using Boston Scott. Because again, is, is Boston Scott going to be your answer next year when, you got to make a decision on Miles Sanders. So I think the Eagles going into next year, depending on what that schedule looks like, depending on what they do in free agency in the draft, this is probably at best a 500 team. And that's, you know, again, 
for fans is going to be like, oh, my God, we make the playoffs and now we come back and suck. But context is important and understanding what goes what went into this season and what's going to go into next season now that everybody's got a full year and a playbook to work with on how the Eagles are operating offensively with Jalen Hurts and how the Eagles are working defensively. If that offense doesn't get a little more creative and a little stronger, especially with uh, Jalen Hurts' development as a pocket passer and how you're going to utilize him going forward, the Eagles are going to struggle next year. Steve, I wouldn't I wouldn't be so down on the Eagles because everybody talks about their own pick, but they own the Colts pick too, again, which won't be so low in the draft. But don't they also own Miami's pick? Again, another yeah. pick that won't be so low. Well, That's three first-rounders. They there. got three first-round picks, yeah, yeah. But the problem is the only positions that you're going to be able to help out right now with those uh, first-round picks are D-line and offensive line. And that's basically in preparation to move on from Fletcher Cox and Lane Johnson. Yeah. I mean, well, there's a, there's another receiver that people seem to forget about because, because he got hurt this year and his season ended shortly at a USC Drake London. He's six, five. I love him. He got hurt this year, but again, people talk yeah. about injury and people might be, you know, skittish about him. but look at last year. Remember the big draft talk last year going into the draft, Jalen Waddle. Oh, he got hurt. And look what he's doing in Miami right now. It didn't seem to matter that much that he got hurt. Well, so, no, but I also thought Jalen Waddle was the better receiver. I thought he was better than Devonta Smith. So I was like, uh, my, my biggest concern with Waddle was the way he catches the ball. And he's had his fair share of drops this year, which is surprising uh, at how well he's done catching wise, because there's a lot of t- videotape I saw of Waddle where he was catching the ball to his body. He wasn't getting his hands out and meeting the ball at its highest point. Uh, he was waiting in for it to come in and hit his body, and he had a decent amount of drops this year, but he actually he corrected a lot of what he was doing. And again, I felt like Waddle was the better receiver and had the potential to be the better receiver than Devonta Smith coming out. Very factual, and he's just six catches away from most catches by a rookie wide receiver ever. So that is an insane stat line that was set by Anquan Bolden, I believe, back in 2003. Very, very long time ago. That's around the time I first started watching football. Um, (laughs) Waddle has utilized the slant routes to perfection. Agree there with Daniel. Uh, Time to change the name of the Philadelphia Eagles to the Alabama Eagles. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, Daniel, Carson Wentz did get COVID, uh, was placed on the COVID list. He's probably, well, he's definitely not playing this week. I'm not sure about week 18. He should be back for that, I'd imagine, but that's definitely a big blow to the Colts. Um, I hear that they're getting in. I read a rumor today that they've called up Philip Rivers to potentially bring him back. I don't know how true that is, but <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised the way people are going out with COVID. I know that the Saints reached out to Drew Brees, and I know that just a year ago the Colts quarterback was Philip Rivers, so I wouldn't be surprised if that was true. He'd be a better option than their uh, backup right now. Yeah, no doubt. Well, let's talk about the Colts. They beat the Cardinals on Christmas Day. They started out 0-3, and they've won nine out of their last 12, thanks to their bell cow and Jonathan Taylor, who, in my opinion, is the top four candidate for MVP this year. Uh, what do we make? It's the perfect way you want to model a team. Great offensive line, solid defense, good running back, a quarterback that won't lose you football games. And you have weapons. You have Michael Pittman. You have T.Y. Hilton, who's a good receiver. You know, Jack Doyle's no slouch at tight end. Mo Cox. They're not a bad football team at all. And they're getting hot at the right time. I'd be scared to play them, even if I'm Kansas City. 
Oh, I agree. They're the most com- they I think they're one of the most complete teams offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm. Um coming out of the AFC. Again, Kansas City looks really good offensively. But if you're able to run that defense down, which Jonathan Taylor can do, you've got a quarterback in Carson Wentz who if he plays within the the confines of the offense, you're going to be just fine because you're not asking him to do more. And then you got a defense that could lock you down, that could, you know, force you to kick field goals when you when you want to get touchdowns, put you in uh, three and out situations. The Indianapolis Colts have a complete team. And again, this was a team that I picked as one of my Super Bowl sleepers this year, um, which at listen, after the first six games of the season, I was like, well, I whiffed on that one. Uh, they've really turned it around, but surprise, they started running the ball. Their defense got healthy, and boom, now they're in contention. Noah can't believe they cut Jason Eason. <laughs> <laughs> I believe Sam Ellinger's starting Sunday. That should be yep. interesting. Yeah. My Jonathan. biggest thing, my biggest thing with the Colts is again, and I thought that when they played New England, I thought that would have been the true testament to see if you could stop Jonathan Taylor. And even though he had like a 70-yard touchdown at the end of the game, he still had 100 yards rushing before he did that. So ultimately, no team can necessarily game plan for Jonathan Taylor, at least at this point in time. But when it gets to playoff time, my biggest qual with, with Carson Wentz is that, Tom, when the ball has been put in his hands, he has lost games this season. Like the two matchups mm-hmm. against Tennessee, that's on him. Earlier in the year, he lost again to Seattle. That was on him. He just lost... He had one of the greatest halves of his career against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home and then single-handedly lost in the first half. My biggest thing is the defense is going to do all that it's going to do. Their special teams has been terrific as well. Their offensive line is great. But if somebody figures out Jonathan Taylor, and that's a tough task, and you force Carson Wentz to pass the ball, I know you were talking about some of his offensive weapons, Tom, but really outside of Michael Pittman, I don't really think you can count on too many people. So if you're banking on Carson Wentz to win you the football game, how confident can you be? in winning that football game here, the Indianapolis Colts. That's my biggest question. Yeah. It'll be left to be seen. Now, another team in the AFC, probably the team that will wind up winning the AFC South is the Tennessee Titans. They get AJ Brown back. They beat the 49ers last week on Thursday night football, AJ Brown, 145 yards in his return and a score. Jimmy G has a thumb UCL tear, unfortunately. Uh, He's going to try to play through it. What do we make of the Titans, first and foremost, and Jimmy G's injury? Tennessee's an accidental success at this point. (laughs) (laughs) It it just – Oh, man. I agree with you. I agree. I'm marveling at how they're – continuing to manage to win games they could they could mess around and make the AFC championship game they really okay. can especially if 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 Derrick Henry can be back for the playoffs again I don't know how much of an impact he'll have but if he has even a minute impact allowing Tannehill to get the ball to AJ Brown and that defense continues to play up the way they're playing up they could actually win in the playoffs. They can actually be a dangerous team in the playoffs because they're not a team that even at this point you take seriously. You play, it's like, okay, how did you win this game? No, there's no way you can keep doing this, and yet somehow they keep doing it. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you because I think going into the season, the Tennessee Titans, even though the record says it, if you if you watch them game in and game out, they don't look like the expectation in which we all thought of the combination of Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. I mean, Julio Jones, I don't even know if he has a touchdown this year. He's, he's just been a non-factor in this offense. Derrick Henry, when he comes back, it's going to be a major support. But with this Titans schedule, since he's gone down, they've had a lot of favorable matchups. And even in some of the favorable matchups, they've lost. Like that loss against the Texans was bad. I mean, yeah. even though they weren't supposed to win that game against New England, they lost very bad. But they've taken advantage of a Trevor Simeon with the New Orleans Saints. They've taken advantage of the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Jacksonville Jaguars. So they've had some favorable matchups. But, Steve, like you said, if you get even like a semblance of Derrick Henry, and he's had a lot of time to recover, there's no doubt. And I don't think they're going to rush him back to finish off the regular season because I think they'll be able to close off the AFC South without him because of the rest of the schedule. That's, that's dangerous. That's scary. That's really, really scary because when he left, he was the guy that, like now with Jonathan Taylor, that's how we were categorizing him. In fact, Derrick Henry to this day, and I could be wrong when I say this, I believe in rushing yards, he's still like a top six running back, and he hasn't played in how many weeks of football. Yep, he's a real MVP. Yeah. (laughs) He is. (laughs) Titans secondary is playing lights out. Yeah, he's got a good point there, kind of carrying them. Uh Green Bay beating Cleveland on Christmas Day. Green Bay getting much closer to locking up that one seed. We already talked about the Rams and the Vikings, but is this the year Green Bay goes to the Super Bowl? A lot of people think their defense is much better than it was last year, and if Tom Brady or Matthew Stafford, whoever it is, has to come and play in Lambeau, they don't know. I mean, I I don't know if they're going to be able to replicate uh, what they did, uh, the Bucks that is, last year. Because the, the Bucks they did a really good job winning that game defensively. Uh, Brady had his moments, but people are arguing the Packers shot themselves in the foot there late. So now with the better defense, Rodgers seems to be happy at home again. Everything seems to be, you know, rainbows and butterflies in Lambeau. Who's stopping Green Bay? Maybe Tom Brady. I don't know. I think, man, I, I'm, I'm going to throw up in my mouth saying this. Um, I think the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, oh. <laughs> I I had Dallas pinned as a top five offense coming into this year. And part of the reason was how explosive they were last season prior to Dak going down. Um I also thought their defense was going got better towards the end of the year last year, and they just beefed up and got much better this year. And it's again, this is another team where they plugged in a lot of young players, and these guys are gelling much quicker than I thought they would. But there's got to be consistency with that Dallas offense. That's going to be key. Um, Brady is Brady. Uh, the Bucks are the Bucks. They can definitely compete with them but I think Dallas all in all if all else fails and it turned into a shootout Dallas has the offensive firepower both through the air and on the ground that could legitimately compete with the Green Bay Packers offense he'll soak up this moment (laughs) just soak it up I'm telling you Uh, Tom to answer your question I think that I, I really don't see anybody in the path of the Green Bay Packers. Again, the only thing in their path that's going to kill them at the end of the, you know, because I think they're going to reach the NFC Championship. I I don't think that's Mm going to be a debate. But the only thing that's going to get in their way is themselves. 
because I, I would make this argument that they probably had a better defense than they've had in years past. Uh, I remember like it was yesterday. Nobody and people that did know were laughing at their first round pick in Eric Stokes, and he's quietly been one of the better rookie secondary pieces in the entire NFL. They don't have Jair Alexander right now. That's huge. They lost to Darius Smith for the year. That's huge. But they have guys like Preston Smith. They have guys like Rashawn Gary. They have Rasul Douglas, who is looking like one of the best midseason pickups that we've seen in a very, very oh, long man. time in terms of impact player on the field every single game, it seems, it seems like, um, from a guy that you know was falling out of the league to a guy that has now solidified himself as one of the star secondary pieces in the NFL. The only And another thing, too, which, again, it just shows how talented that Aaron Rodgers is, did nothing, did nothing to improve the offense, yet people are now recognizing Alan Lazard as a threat, and that's because of Aaron Rodgers. A.J. Dillon, people are, uh, you know, Aaron Jones is, I don't want to say falling out of the offense, but A.J. Dillon, when they give him the ball, nobody can tackle him. He's a bowling ball. He's an absolute bowling ball. And even though people talk about the offensive line not being as, you know, up to par as it's been in the past, he's doing a great job protecting Aaron Rodgers and going up against some of the better defenses in football. But with the Dallas Cowboys, because I think it, I think it's going to be the Rams, ultimately. I think that's going to be the team. I think Tampa's just too hurt right now. Missing Chris Godwin is going to kill them. It's going to kill them. Leonard Fournette is supposed to come back. But we don't know when. And they're losing, it seems like, key pieces to that defense week in and week out. They, they lost Levante David last week. They just lost Shaq Barrett this week. Those are huge pieces that I don't know if you can replace and that will be ready for playoff time. But if they do face up against the Dallas, because I think that's a very viable option, it's not going to be about the offensive competing. It's going to be a true testament to how good this defense is and what Dan Quinn could do in game plan against Aaron Rodgers. Because this defense right now, in terms of getting to the quarterback, picking the quarterback, uh, defensive coverage, they look like one of the best all-around defense in football. But they got to play Aaron Rodgers, and everybody knows that's that's a factor that they have yet to face this season. That's going to be the telling tale, and I think that if it comes down to it, it's not going to be Dak Prescott competing with Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be Dan Quinn trying to contain Aaron Rodgers. That's my biggest thing. Very true. Um, <laughs> Dennis says Dallas beats Green Bay. The Rams beat the Bucks. Rams over Dallas. The Rams probably match up against Dallas the best. Out of the out of those big three that yeah. we're talking about right now, yeah. Arizona kicking themselves, letting Douglas go, yeah. Um, and then Matthew Stafford, look, we, yeah, I mean, I could have told you this, Noah. He's never had any success playing in Minnesota. He can't play in U.S. Bank Stadium for some reason. He can't play in that stadium. I don't know what it is, but. It's insane to think about. Listen, Arizona's not kicking themselves for letting Rasul Douglas go. The Philadelphia Eagles should be kicking themselves <laughs> for letting Rasul Douglas go because they never gave that guy a chance, in my opinion. They jumped on that Avantomatics train and was like, okay, Douglas, yeah. you're out of here. I was like, why would you get rid of him? <laughs> yeah. Imagine how much better to an already great secondary that they would be with him on the roster. Yep. What other games stuck out to you, Steve, this week? I mean, obviously, we had the Houston upset, the Bills beating the Pats, the Bengals over the Ravens. Well, what game really stuck out to you the most? Uh, honestly, the Packers-Browns uh, game stuck out uh, to me the most because it, it seems like the Browns, no matter what they can do as a franchise, no matter what rights they can possibly have, it always goes wrong for them. And uh, that game against the they should have beat the Packers. 
they had the comeback going. They should have beaten the Packers. Um, and, and it's why I think the Packers can be beat in the playoffs. But the, the Cle- just watching that game and seeing the Cleveland Browns and seeing Baker Mayfield, I know the, the there's so many Baker Mayfield detractors. I'm not a big fan, a supporter of him, but I do believe he's a good quarterback. I don't believe he's trash. I, I've seen people say he's Rex Grossman. I'm like, that's grotesque. That's <laughs> how, how dare you compare him to Rex Grossman? Um I just think that that game stood out for me because it 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 embodies everything that pain for the Cleveland Browns when you watch Baker Mayfield perform, when you watch the Browns and how they fought to get back into that game and still lose the way they did. I like that pick, Kyle. What about you? The biggest game for me this week, and it's it's gross even coming out of my mouth because I, I hate the fact that I have to say this, but it's the Dallas Cowboy game. And granted, the Washington football team is, is not a good team. In fact, half their players are coming off injury and, and the COVID list. But this was probably the fear of the entire NFL is that when everything clicks for them, this is what they can do. Like they put up 21 points in the first 12 minutes of the football game because of their defense, as stout as it is, and athletic as they were, because that's probably one of the most athletic uh, touchdown interceptions that I've seen at a D lineman, you know, in, in my history of watching football, a 40 yard run by Demarcus Lawrence and evading and then stiff arming the offensive lineman of the Washington football team. But not only that, but Dak Prescott clicking on all cylinders for the first time in a long time, Zeke, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb being a thousand yard receiver this year. Uh, Micah Parsons, it, it, it makes me so angry that the Giants passed up on him. He is just, <laughs> He is, he's, a, the, he's the embodiment of a football player. He does what you need him to do, and he comes up in big moments. And he just he's, on, he's everywhere on the field. Trayvon Diggs adds another, touch, uh, another interception. What is he at, 11 now this season? 11, yep. The, that's, they, again, and the Washington football team is by no stretch of the imagination a good football team where they're at now. But just the fact that you're seeing what they can do with an offensive explosion, because that's what it was, and a defensive explosion on the same night, that has, and especially this late in the season, because now you're getting towards the playoff time where you're, you're, you're fearing that if you're in another team, at least I would. That's scary two weeks from now when they're in the playoffs. Yeah, I hate to say it. They're, they're a good football team this year, Dallas. They have a lot going for them right now, but that is not my game of the week. My game of the week is the Miami Dolphins winning seven in a row, the first team in NFL history to have a seven-game losing streak and a seven-game winning streak in the same season. Can't fathom that. Uh, Dolphins had eight sacks and forced two turnovers going up against my uh, good buddy there, Ian Book, out of Notre Dame. Uh, his, I mean, he telegraphed a lot of his passes like an open book, no pun intended. Uh, but my, Miami was good in this game. They now control their own destiny as the seven seed. It's going to be tough for them because now they're at Tennessee and then they're home against New England. You could argue they could win both. They could lose both. They could split. It, there's a lot of unknown for Miami right now, but they're getting good at the right time. I really like what they got. We mentioned Waddle before and what he's been able to do. Mike Jasicki is a great tight end. Devontae Parker, excellent complimentary number two wide receiver. Uh, I like what this team has in front of them right now. And defensively, Emmanuel Ogba with those uh, two sets. Zach Sealer had a great game. Like, they have a lot of good players on this defense. Daniel thinks they could still win the division. I don't know about that. I think they're uh, 
Is that even possible? Buffalo's not. Oh shit! They're one, they're one game back. That's crazy. They're both nine and six. Buffalo and New England. Miami's had a great run, no doubt about it. But if you look at the opponents in which they played, like four out of those, what was it? No, like five or six out of those seven game win streaks are all teams that are going to be picking like the top six this year. So. We'll see I think Miami, that, that secondary has been something to, uh, to watch. Uh, yeah. uh, Byron Jones, Avian Howard, Javon Holland, the rookie from uh, Oregon, uh, the, uh, Eric Rowe coming in and, and substituting. That secondary has been really, really good. And it, 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 the defense has taken its time, but it's coming around now. This team can actually be pretty fun to watch going into next year. Absolutely. I think that AFC East is going to be so competitive next year. Uh, all garbage except beating Baltimore with Lamar. That's he's true. talking, about, he's talking about the Miami win streak. Yeah, yeah. That was a surprising Monday night football game where they won like 22 to 10. Listen, we thought Miami was garbage after the seven game losing streak. So it's only garbage beating garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's true. No name linebacking core, similar to the Eagles, right? No name linebacking core. They've been good. They've been good, and they have a lot of draft picks this year. Uh, Dennis killing it in the comments section tonight. I don't know who this is, but Mets talk with Hayden. Look, I'm a, I'm a Mets fan. I'm not getting into that right now, but uh, you know, everybody expects me to throw a party that uh, we signed 37-year-old Max Scherzer, but I'm not too confident just yet. I'm a very pessimistic Mets fan. but um, Yeah, you got to give credit to Brian Flores, right? You got to give credit to Brian Flores and what he's been able to do. They won 10 games last year, as Noah just mentioned in the comments again. They did miss the playoffs, but we'll see what happens. Uh, We'll see what happens. Uh, One last segment here, or actually two more. This one, we're going to preview some of the top week 17 games. Um, Obviously, Bruce Arians did test positive for COVID. He won't be available. Rumors have been milling around Jacksonville, their head coaching vacancy. Doug Peterson, what do you think? What are you thinking? Is is he is he taking that job if they give it to him? I hope he does. I can't stand Doug Peterson. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to sound like an ungrateful Eagles fan, but I did not like him as a hire. Um, I always felt that Frank Wright and the when Frank Wright took over the offense was the major reason why that team had the success it did. And you saw the adjustments with the the playbook when uh, Wentz went down and Foles came in. And you saw as soon as Frank Wright left, this team went from running the ball 54 55% of the time to running the ball 40 to 45% of the time and throwing the ball. Uh, you know, 60% of the time. It's like, okay, your identity, you threw it out the window and you decided to stubbornly do this. So you went from one stubborn coach in Urban Meyer down there and you're going to get another stubborn coach. They deserve each other. Go Jacksonville. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe after, uh, because I never thought that Doug Peterson was was such a bad coach. But after that, that week, what, 17 game against Washington, in which I think for the first time that at least I've ever seen, on public national television that you purposely tried to lose a football game, that you get another potential head coaching hire. I don't think I've ever seen that before, but it might happen. 
you know, Jack, it sucks because Jacksonville actually has some really good young talent down there that needs development. I just don't think he's the coach to do it. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I would go with Jim Caldwell if they if they want if they want to have success. I would go with Jim Caldwell. Yeah, or, or, or wait to see. Maybe hey, Byron Leftwich. Yeah, I was gonna say that's that's you know, a great they, one. You know, they, like, the, why would you even entertain Doug Peterson? Like Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> No, I agree with that. Everybody forgets Jim Caldwell when he last coached in the NFL. He was like the last coach to lead the uh, the Lions to a winning season, and he got mm. fired in that season. Yep, it's kind of been all down. Even though I think Dan Campbell will have some success, it's been in terms of record wise all downhill from that point forward. Yeah, Leftwich going back to the Jags would be cool, according to Daniel. Jim Caldwell should be the choice, though. Uh, Dennis says Todd Bowles ruined his shot. Uh, Interesting. I didn't read up anything on Todd Bowles yet, but By I know the way, they're, they're looking at what's that, Tom. You you talked about Bruce Arians being out with COVID. I, I thought about this. I don't know if they've appointed a head coach for that game, but it has is he to gonna, be Todd, right? Is Todd going to coach against the Jets in an old uh, reunion matchup? <laughs> I don't even think about that. Is that going to happen, or they have they have they appointed a new head coach for this game? I don't know. I'm getting distracted. There's a lot of Tua hate in the comments section right now. I'm not I'm not sure why, but two of this, two of that. Uh, Noah Tua could win the MVP, and I'd still say he's a scrub. Uh, I'm not a believer in Tua, but he isn't turning the ball. Like, I don't. What is going on? He's doing the best with the weapons in which he has. Like, as a Giants fan, the amount of commentary that I hear about the Giants' offensive line being bad. Have you seen Miami's offensive line? They are awful. They have they have no running backs. They have. I mean, Jalen Waddle is a rookie. Devontae Parker, when he's on the field, he's great, but he's never on the field. Gusecki is kind of turned into a consistent, okay player. But outside of that, they don't have anybody. No, they don't. It's amazing. Again, even though they've played trash, they, they're in that trash uh, bracket themselves. And it's amazing that they've done what they've done thus far this year. No doubt. Absolutely. Uh, I also think Nathaniel Hackett could be an interesting candidate for Jacksonville as, as well. Uh I think he'd be a good candidate, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Miami. Uh, All right. Games of the week for week 17. We got a lot of good ones. We got the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Dolphins at the Titans, the Raiders at the Colts without Carson Wentz. Uh, Fog, we'll start with you here. What's your game of the week for week 17? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You know, it, it for me, it it's not a sexy game, but it's got to be the Colts and the Raiders uh, because this, like, your playoff hopes are really on the line here if you're the Indianapolis Colts. If you think about it, um, the game of the week probably should be the Ravens and Rams. But if the Ravens act, uh, you know, if the Ravens win that game, right, think about that. The Ravens win their game. The Patriots win their game. They're playing the Jaguars. And the Raiders mess around and beat the Colts. There could be a real log jam to get into the playoffs. And the Indianapolis Colts, because of their first half of the season, could be on the outside looking into the playoffs. It's very true. Very true. Uh, I think, Tom, what do you got, Kyle? For me, for my game of the week, I, I, I know a, Noah took mine in the comment section. It's definitely the Chiefs and Bengals. It's definitely the Chiefs and Bengals because everybody wants to talk about the Chiefs being back, and I'll say this. I think they're the best team in the AFC, at least at this point in the season. 
But everybody's using the eight-game win streak as, as support. And, and granted, eight straight games for an NFL team, two months worth of football, that's, that is difficult to do, no doubt. But they haven't played anybody in that yep. eight-week stretch. They played their toughest opponent was the Chargers. And after this week, we're seeing who, truly who the Chargers are and what they're capable of doing. Otherwise, they haven't played anybody in that eight-game win stretch. Same thing with the Cincinnati Bengals. Terrific game by Joe Burrow. I'm a big fan. I love Jamar Chase, love T. Higgins, love Tyler Boyd, love that offense. Love the defense of what they've done, too, in the quick turnaround, going from one of the worst defensive football to one of the quieter, better defensive football. But I don't know what they are. Like, granted, 525 yards passing, that's great. But this was against, like, Baltimore Ravens' C team or D team. That, that's what this was against. That's, that's ultimately the case. And they've had some terrible losses this season. They've lost to the Bears. They've lost to the Jets. They've lost to the Cleveland Browns, 41-16. to 16. They almost lost to the Denver Broncos in a 15-10 to 10 victory when they knocked out Teddy Bridgewater in the second quarter. They, they basically didn't have a quarterback for half the game, and they still almost lost that football game. I need to figure out what they are, essentially, for both of these teams. I still think the Chiefs are the, the head honcho in the AFC, but more so the Cincinnati Bengals because I think more likely than not, they're going to be the ones to come out of the AFC North but how far are they going to go in the playoffs? That's the biggest test. So I think this is a true testament to what they're truly capable of doing this week in a matchup against the Chiefs. They need a new coach. That's what they need. <laughs> Not a Vic Fangio guy. Oh, you're Not talking about Zach, Zach Taylor? Taylor? Oh, oh, Zach, oh Zach, Zach, Zach Taylor. Taylor. They need, okay. Listen, all the losses that Kyle just said, that wasn't on necessarily any specific player or any side of the True. ball. That was coaching at the end of the day. Yeah. And those bad losses, that reflects all bad and just shows or highlights the inconsistency of that coaching staff and Zach Taylor in particular. You're right. It took him a while to get going. I got distracted by this comment. That's why I brought up Vic Fangio. The Broncos destroyed <laughs> Dallas. Um, yeah. Noah says the Bengals are ahead of schedule. Burrow, Mixon, Chase, and Higgins, all 25 and younger. Yeah. yeah, right. The first time in NFL history that two wide receivers under the age of 26 combined um, each had a thousand yard seasons or something Dennis, like that. Dennis thinks they should have had Green, Green Bay beat. Yeah, Evan McPherson lost that one in the, the matchup to who wants Ricky to make Kicker. a field goal. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that game. My game of the week, it's for, for me, you guys took two awesome games. I'm going with Miami and Tennessee because I'm trying to find out who Miami is, right? Are they going to be a legit contender to run the table go 10 and 7 and be a wild card team make the playoffs or are they going to be part of fog if you don't mind me using the term log jam in the afc playoff picture because that's what it seems to be right now right there's four or five teams that we don't know who the hell's going to get in i mean granted baltimore could still get in with all the issues they're dealing with the Steelers, they're playing the Browns. I, I mean, I know they're underdogs, but I think the Steelers should win that game with the way Cleveland's trending right now. So there's a lot of if, ands, or what's. And t- if, if you're Tennessee, you're not out of it for the one seed yet. You're only one game behind the Chiefs. The Chiefs have a tough matchup against the Bengals. If you take care of business at home, there's a shot to be the one seed with everything they've been through without Derrick Henry, Julio being out. Missing A.J. Brown for an, for an extended period of time. Somehow, some way, the Titans are still in the mix, as our, our former co-host, Fonz the Falco, hates to say. 
because he's a Ravens fan and he has bad memories about the Titans beating them in the playoffs. But you got to give credit to Mike Vrabel and the coaching job that he's done. Mike Vrabel's like mini, mini Belichick. He, he's pulling things. I mean, he he looks drunk when he's on the sideline, right? Like he's got like one eye half open, like. But he is probably one of the top three smartest intellectual head coaches we have in this league right now. He's that good. So he's probably been the best uh, Bill Belichick uh, tree stem coach that is that has branched off from that from the New England Patriots regimen since Belichick's been there. Is he really on the tree though? Because he's a former player. He's not a former assistant. It's, that's true. That's true. But but underneath the Bill Belichick game plan, I guess you'd say. Yeah. And just think about it, last year, people wanted his head. Yeah, yeah that's true. That is very true. very factual. Um, Fog, you want to add something there? Well, think about that log jam for a second. I'm just looking at this right now. <laughs> <laughs> the Chargers, the Bengals. The Bills, potentially, the Colts, the Raiders, the Patriots, and the Ravens at the end of this week could all be 9-7. and seven. Oh, my God. They could all be 9-7. and seven. This is- and, and if the, yeah, if, 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 if on wins and losses, all of these teams could actually be 9-7 and seven at the end of week 17. This is when football is fun. Games in December is <laughs> when – Games in December and January is when you test who is the uh, who are the true competitors. That's, that's how you tell. Yeah, I mean, in the NFC, you could have three or four, eight and eight teams this week if the Eagles lose, if the Vikings and Saints somehow win their games, and then I forget. Atlanta wins yeah. their game too, potentially against Buffalo, but that's not going to happen. So if they if they lose, yeah, San Francisco no. loses potentially. Vrabel coached under Urban Meyer. That I forgot about. Thanks for bringing that up, Daniel. Tennessee has beaten yeah. all the juggernauts this year. Yeah. That's not true. They lost uh, New England by like 30. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Noah's not very confident in his Falcons beating the Bills. But, uh, Fog, one more segment here. We're going to talk about the NFL MVP candidates before we let you go here. Um, obviously, in my opinion, there's five candidates right now, right? Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Jonathan Taylor, and Cooper Cup. I'd throw in there. Would you argue, is there anybody else you'd throw in the mix there? No, not really. I mean, I would love to throw a defensive player in there, but Mm -hmm. right now um, the only defensive player I could could think of um, is either T.J. Watt or uh, Miles Garrett. Yeah. Outside of them, there's really uh, there's really I mean, I I get Diggs is doing what he's doing and 11 interceptions. But, you know, we've also had in the last uh, two decades about seven or eight players, including Xavier Howard, if I'm not mistaken, just a couple of years ago, get 10 plus interceptions. So it's it's not far fetched from uh, something like that happening. It's just I think people are more shocked that it's happening in Dallas where where. Of all those players that have been able to do that, it hasn't happened in Dallas. That's a really good point. We we talk about that defense. People forget just last year, the first, what, six, seven, eight games of the season, they were historically like the worst defense ever. And in one season, they're now up in the top three, top five. 
Well, again, it's it's it takes time. It takes. I've always said it takes twelve to sixteen games to to get used to seeing and being able to game plan for a team. And Dan Quinn coming in, you've taken on a whole new defense. They drafted well, got players that fit the defensive scheme. So next year will be the tell to see. This is probably Dallas's best opportunity to catch everybody off guard and get to the Super Bowl. Next year, the better teams, the better coaches, they'll be ready. They'll have the game plan set up. They'll have the the footage there, the the highlight reels to go over and say, okay, this is what this team is going to do against us. This is how they're going to play this third down situation, so on and so forth. So it'll be a different it'll be a different scheme and a different game for Dallas going into next year as well. Tom, but but back on the MVP argument, it's got to be it's got to be Aaron Rodgers, right? Like I don't I don't need, I would love to see Cooper Cup on his, on his way to the triple crown. That'd be awesome. Jonathan Taylor, that'd be great, but I don't I don't really think anybody sees a running back winning the MVP. It's just not how the league is anymore at least at this point in time my personal opinion it's gotta be Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers the, the organization the front office has to thank themselves because they pissed him off and now he's going to win back-to-back MVPs more likely than not I think I would say so and they've probably gotten the best out of Aaron Rodgers these last two years than maybe in his entire career and I think it's an argument to be said but with the team that he has because it's not the most star-studded team he just seems to make it work every single year he makes it work even all the all the fits, all the tantrums, all the controversy in the offseason, would you ever think that this was a guy that wanted that was begging the team to get him off this get him out of Green Bay? Do you think that people try to play poor to get themselves out of a situation? This guy's playing like the best of his possible career back to back seasons. And he's not slowing down. Nobody's stopping him. All these other guys, again, Cooper Cup is great. I just don't see it happening. John Taylor is great. Don't see it happening. Tom Brady has been awesome this season, but he's going to cool down the last couple weeks. Aaron Rodgers, outside of that Saints game, he has never looked bad in one game. And in that Saints game, that was week one, and that was because he missed an entirety of an offseason because he was holding out. So I don't don't see anybody else getting it outside of him, in my personal opinion. Fog, what do you think? It it sucks because I got to agree with uh, Kyle. I would love to see Jonathan Taylor do whatever you think about it. Uh, The guy's got 17 uh, touchdowns. He's got over 1,600 rushing yards. I would, you know, if Jonathan Taylor was going to win it, he would have to have that LaDainian Tomlinson-like season where you've got like a total of 28 to 30 touchdowns and and you've put over 2,000 yards from scrimmage together. He would have needed that type of season, unfortunately, to you know push Aaron Rodgers aside or even Tom Brady at this point. Cooper Cup, I think it's a it's a nice story, but the narrative about Matthew Stafford has changed so much so that it's now oh, Matthew Stafford's a good quarterback. Look what he's doing, and I don't think Cooper Cup is actually getting the recognition he fully deserves and will get the recognition he fully deserves. And uh, which is why Aaron Rodgers will more than likely win that MVP. If Cooper cup wraps up the triple crown, I would say it would have to be him. But again, the narrative is going to go, well, Matthew Stafford was his quarterback. Well, where was that wonderful speech and that talk when Matthew Stafford was stuck in hell in Detroit and still making it happen and, placing himself as a top 10 quarterback in the league year in and year out. Well, I like your argument on Cooper cup. I know you both think it's going to be Rogers. 
I actually think it's going to be Tom Brady. Um, I know a lot of people won't like me saying that, but again, last week he went in and won. They beat the Carolina Panthers convincingly without pretty much all of his weapons, right? Uh, Mike Evans with the hamstring injury. Now he's on the COVID list. Leonard Fournette on IR. Uh, His number one option was Rob Gronkowski. He didn't have Godwin. Uh, Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller were his one and two. Uh, I don't think Antonio Brown, Tom, Antonio Brown, Tom, Antonio Brown. Okay, I forgot about just just forget about Antonio Brown. I forgot about one of the best receivers of the decade. (laughs) I forgot about Lego guy. Uh, Yeah, he. uh, Yeah, he's that's true. He was there, but still, I mean, Brady, he's transformed this Tampa Bay team that was average two years ago when Winston was the quarterback to a Super Bowl winning team, and now they're right back on track to contend for that again at 11 and four. So I'm going to go with Tom Brady plus leads the league in touchdown passes and passing yards at 44 years old. I mean, that can't go unnoticed. Uh, And they still give the ball to Fournette. Well, did at least a lot, you know, Fournette is a viable player again in this league. He's looking like a top 10 back again, partially due to the way Brady has utilized him into this offense, right? It's much more than just handing off the ball to a running back. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people think, oh, the quarterback has no effect on how the running back plays. Wrong. The quarterback has a great amount of effect at the running back on how the running back plays. The offensive line as well. So I'm going to go with TB12, um, his going away gift from the league. Tom retires after this year. Never going to um, have him. Never uh, going to have him. You ever have that feeling that Brady is just going to retire on the stage when he's hoisting the Lombardi? He just announces it like, I'm going to retire, that's it, at like 50 years old or something. I've always had that weird dream about Tom Brady. I don't if think he's, he's If he's that. hoisting the Lombardi at 50, it, that's going to really suck for anybody coming after him. <laughs> <laughs> the only the, he's, Tom Brady's going to retire when he gets 10 rings. That'll be the cap. That'll Oof. be the cap. That'll be the cap. But all these MVP storylines, all these candidates that we just talked about, it's just going to be which storyline is going to be better because they're all well-deserving, yeah. right? Cooper Cup only potentially, because I think he already has it locked up the way he's playing. Triple Crown only, what, four or five other players have done in NFL history. Jonathan Taylor, second-year running back, looking like a top, maybe even the best running back in all of football outside of Derrick Henry. Uh, Tom Brady, the quarterback that never goes away and never ages. And he's playing better now at the age of 40 than he did in his 20s and 30s. Uh, Brady will retire when the NFL spends operations. <laughs> Brady's going to try to play when he's in the grave, man. I, I don't know. He's, he's something else. He'll never retire. He'll I still mean, stay on top. Look, even, now, even now, we're doubting him, right? I don't think anybody picked up. Forty-four, come out of the we're down. <laughs> All three of us have one thing in common when it comes yeah. to when it comes to Tom Brady, and it goes without saying, right? We all beat him in in the big game, so it's true. We all have that going for us. Mm-hmm. Us as Giants fan and Fog as an Eagles fan, but you know that's it is what it is, right? We all said we all can say we beat Tom Brady in the big game, yeah, but, but at least you beat him with a serviceable starting quarterback. True. I, I, I got I to live the history of going Nick Foles <laughs> was my suit. Like this is this is the equivalent to Giants going, wow, Jeff Hostetler won a Super Bowl. <laughs> True. I mean, hey, we like, won a Super Bowl. Yeah. 
you kidding me, Jeff? Uh, yeah. How 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 much different would it have been if uh, how much different would it have been if Phil Simms uh, won those two Super Bowls? Yeah, might be talking about Phil Simms right? as a Hall He'd of Fame quarterback. More than <laughs> yeah, very yeah. well true. I agree with that. Uh, Steve, I mean, Tom will attest to this back when we were doing the, the, the show in the studio. We were I was I was on the Nick Foles bandwagon. I was hoping that again, when it came down to picking between the Patriots and the Eagles, it was the hardest thing ever for me as a Giants fan. But to see <laughs> Nick Foles win the Super Bowl, that's what I was rooting for. And the way he wanted to, oh my God, how could yeah, you nah, was, I could I couldn't even celebrate when it happened. I just I was in shock. I was like, wow. <laughs> That's this just is how happened. It's gonna go. I had Randall Cunningham. I had Donovan McNabb, and this is the fucking guy that's gonna win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Fog. On that note, I guess is there anything you want to add here before we wrap this one up? Nah. Listen, I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, for all my Eagles fans out there, uh, don't go too crazy. Don't get too upset if we make the playoffs and lose. It's not going to be that bad. There's still next year. There's still time. It's a young core of talent. Uh, and, and think about it. I, I've always liked character and the character of the Philadelphia Eagles. I love that character that, uh, you know, hurts that unfortunately can injured Miles Sanders and Devonta Smith bring that having a young core of character uh, in, in, in a young group of guys who have that football character. You're seeing it with the Dallas Cowboys right now. You're seeing it with the Cincinnati Bengals. There is a changing of the guard in the NFL, and hopefully we're going to get to see some different teams outside of what has been the norm and different players outside of what has been the norm uh, in the NFL for the couple uh, next couple of years to come. Absolutely. Uh, Fog, one more time, where can the people find you and your work? You can find me on Facebook again, uh, Objectively Biased Sports. Uh, Facebook page. You can find me at the Chop Sports Media doing our uh, blogs for them, and you can find me at the Objectively Biased Sports Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, uh, wherever, any anywhere where podcasts are uh, heard or available. Absolutely. Well, we wanted to thank you so much for your time tonight for joining us. Really appreciate all of your insight as an Eagles fan. You know, teams of arch nemesis rivals can <laughs> break stuff down and stay civil while doing it. It's always a lot of fun. But Fog, we wanted to thank you so much. We hope you have a happy new year and best of luck to your Eagles this Sunday against Washington. Thank you, sir. Tom Kyle, really appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys. Absolutely. No all right, that was the fog from objectively biased sports talk. Wow, he was awesome. He really that was a great brought, guest. Great yeah. guest. Yeah, he really brought the hits, and the comment section is still hitting. Trent Dilfer with the Super Bowl win. Noah, if I can smack you through this computer, <laughs> that I one would. Hurts, Noah. That after one hurts. That comment. Uh, that hurts. Kyle, I don't. How old were you when that Super Bowl happened? Uh. That was 2000, Tom. I wasn't even born yet. It was, no, it was January of 2001. Oh, so I was, I was almost six months old. Alive. Yeah. Almost yep. six months old. It's so refreshing, Fogs. He was a great guest, Dennis. And Dennis, appreciate all your comments tonight. You have been great. Uh, make sure to continue to check us out on our Facebook page, Raving Preview Sports. We'd love to converse with you in future weeks. LSU just hired Kansas City Chiefs assistant Matt House as their defensive coordinator. Well, Brian Kelly, 
uh, congratulations. You are on the recruiting trail and you couldn't recruit any Notre Dame assistants except for one. So good job, Brian. <laughs> Appreciate it. Go Irish. Um, great job, Fog. Yeah, Fog was great. We got to have Fog back on uh, in the future for sure. Great show, guys. Uh, yep. Great guest, Noah. I agree. Shout out Noah Dibler from the Sports Box. He hosts the Sweet Tea Show Fridays at 9 p.m. Thanks, Dennis. Appreciate the support. There he is, The Fog. Thanks again, guys. Really enjoyed it and appreciate it. Make sure to go check out The Fog uh, on Objectively Biased Sports Talk. He is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, but, Kyle, next week we're going to be going over our NFL head coaching hot seats. That's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have roughly about maybe eight to 10 names of head coaches that will be on the hot seat. One we're going to include that might surprise some. Uh, He's been around for a while, so we'll uh, just leave it at that for now. And Noah, thanking us for the shout out anytime. But Kyle, oh gosh, your Islanders, have another game postponed. They, they, yeah, they just they can't get a game going, and I feel so bad for you, man. This whole UBS thing, like, uh the sarcasm is seat. exploding. Wait, 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 there's no sarcasm there. As you're smiling through your teeth right now. No, it's 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 terrible, man. It's they it's really they can't lose a game tomorrow night. Look at it that way. It's really that was negative. It's really well, it's really terrible. You asked for it though. Um, <laughs> Again, Tom, we talked about it last week because they haven't played mm-hmm. at all since last week because the NHL, you know, uh, postponing all games until mm-hmm. after Christmas. And I think they added another game on top of that, uh, another day on top of that. The Islanders have not played yet since that point in time. Uh, but, yeah, obviously, you know, what's going on in the world with COVID-19 and, and, you know, with the amount of people that the Islanders have lost. Again, happy that they're postponing the game. That way maybe they could get healthy and be at full strength because that's what the Islanders are going to need, again, to to make this season once again, competitive. They're, uh, I don't know how far they can go in the Metro, as I think they're 20 points back of like the third seed in the Metro. So that'll be a difficult task. But in the wild card, they're only 11 points back. So again, I'm not going to say that's doable. They still have 50 plus games remaining on their schedule. So there's, there's a lot of games left to make up some of those games in which they lost earlier in the season. But they're going to need to come away with a lot of points in those games. They, they are. That's, that's just the truth of the matter. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's 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 really tough. It's really tough because especially with injury and COVID, and there's no real time to gain any consistency in your lineups and uh, be at full strength and being able to perform on a nightly basis. And that's been a struggle this year for them. They they've been hit with the injury bug. They've definitely been hit with the COVID bug. And between the 13 game beginning of the season road stretch, uh, between moving to a new arena, it's it's been a tough season for them. It, it really has been. And I'm hoping that come the new year, uh, some brighter things ahead, and maybe they'll surprise a lot of people. Well, the Blues did it a couple of years back, so you yes. never know. We talked about that last week, yeah. Yep. I'm hoping it's the same case. Um, look, I got my, my Rangers are going pretty good right now. Uh, 19 wins, 7 losses. Uh, they are at the Florida Panthers tomorrow night. Panthers have a good record as well. So looking forward to the Rangers, hopefully getting back on track. And uh, last three to five minutes of the show, we'll, we'll just talk about John Madden because this this news broke live as we were 
uh, on the show tonight. Uh, legendary sportscaster and former NFL head coach John Madden sadly has passed away at the age of 85 years old. Uh, growing up, I idolized this man. My grandmother, who, you know, always recorded all the Super Bowls, Pat Summerall and John Madden called them. Uh, I'll never forget John Madden. And you want to talk about a color commentator? There was no better color commentator when it came to football than John Madden. He was the best, Kyle. Uh, I mean, the, the way he would just describe a play and pretty much go in depth and tell you everything that happened in that play and not just what happened, but why it happened. It really brought life into the broadcast that it made me want to watch. When I watch a lot of football games nowadays, I mute the television. I don't listen to the announcers. But John Madden, I would never mute John Madden. In my personal opinion, he was the best color commentator of all time when it came to NFL. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Steve kind of talked about it when when he was on the show and when we brought it up to him as well, is that you can't write the script of football and NFL without John Madden. I mean, the way he just transformed a broadcast and people forget that he was a head coach as well. And one of the, you know, one of the more winning, uh, winningest, I think that's a word, head coaches during his time with a 76% win percentage in the games in which he, you know, was a head coach. So adding to the game, not only from behind the scenes, but on the field themselves, as he did lead the Raiders to a Super Bowl back in the day as well, a Super Bowl champion. So the guy did so much for the game as has an NFL game named after him because of how important his legacy is to the game of football. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's 85 years old. It's definitely a sad loss to the sport. Definitely a sad loss in general. John Madden was the winning head coach of Super Bowl 11 for the Oakland Raiders. He coached them from 1969 to 1978 he had a 103-32-7 career NFL record, winning over 76% of his games, as Noah mentioned. 9-7 and all-time in the playoffs. Um, real shame. Uh, born in Austin, Minnesota, passed away today. And he was in the booth calling games until, uh, I believe it was, he retired after the 2008 NFL season. He wrote several books. He was a commercial pitchman for various products. I mean, Little Giants, he was in that movie. I love John Madden. And uh, shout out John Madden. This uh, last segment here, John, is dedicated to you. So, John Madden, may you rest in peace. Love you, man. You're a great role model for me growing up as a football fan. So, I I love you for it. He's the one person I wish I could have met, you know. That, that that's the one guy that I really wanted to meet. But, you know, you can't always have everything you want in life. And John Madden was an outstanding individual and a great teacher of the game of football. Uh, I don't know what the Raiders do with their legends, but the fact that I don't see Ring of Honor or Wall of Fame on his Wikipedia page is embarrassing on the Raiders' part. Well, hopefully that changes. You never know. Um, yeah, that is interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. One of the Super Bowl, probably one of the winning, uh, winningest head coaches of all time with that percentage attached to him mm-hmm. and, and not a part of that. Again, that might still be questionable just because it's not on the Wikipedia page. But, yeah, that yeah. no, that is interesting. It's it, it's crazy, too. And, you know, you still got guys alive like Vince Scully. Vince Scully's like 93, 94 years old. 
however old he is at this point. I mean, he he's just a legend. He's on Instagram too. Yeah. So it's crazy how how long he's he he's lived. But uh, yeah. that's a, that's another guy I love. Born and bred from the Bronx. But uh, Kyle, anything you want to add here before we wrap this one up here tonight? No, Tom. Really, really, really great show, man. And. Real quick, what what a great year of Review and Preview because this is our last show of the year before we enter the new year. So on to some on to some great, exciting things come the new year. It was a it was a great year for us, I believe. So we've had some great additions to the program. We've had some great guests this year. Steve Steve was a tremendous guest to end the year off. Yeah. Uh, before we enter 2022. And uh Again, just just can't say enough of how proud I am to be a part of this program and platform. We, we've accomplished some great things. Absolutely. And Kyle, again, part of the route, you know, appreciate you and everything that you do here as a part of Review and Preview. We'll be having a free giveaway for one of our Review and Preview products next week, and we'll inform you how you can win that. It'll be going on throughout the whole week. We'll be doing a free giveaway for a free review and preview product. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Noah, Sportsbox loves review and preview. Review and preview loves the Sportsbox as well. Make sure to go check the Sportsbox out right now. Highly opinionated with Brian Attard, Mike Letta, as they talk about the legacy of John Madden and much more. Folks, on behalf of Kyle Russo, I'm Tom Scavetta saying so long. Happy New Year, everybody. And you've been watching Review and Preview here on Facebook Live. See you in 2022.